You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast, where we explore the world of classic games and the nostalgia that they bring. In this episode, we talk comfort and consequence in adventure games, which is... uh, Kind of an interesting concept, really. Uh, the one that I, I hadn't put into those kind of terms before, but uh, sometimes, like, I guess how I would explain it basically is sometimes when you go to play a game, sometimes there's there's joy and momentum in consequences, but sometimes there's also pleasure in the comfort of not worrying about consequences. And I just uh, thought we would chat a little bit about both of those ideas in specific relation to classic adventure games. Hi, Paul. Jesus. Okay. Um, Hi. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to, today, we're going to lay out the basic idea. You know, we're going to, back in my day, there was two kinds of adventure games. And we're going to start there by, Mm -hmm. see, okay. I've, we've got we've got a structure to this show which is, which is quite new to us. I was like, you know, it's been 175 episodes. Let's bloody shake it up <laughs> and plan this thing out. <laughs> it's not going well for me so far, but Anna's doing great. Um, and I just so I just started reading you my first note, and that's that's not how note taking works. So what I'm just going to say is that we we want to look at the consequences because okay okay here's what I really want to say. Man, this is, I'm not doing good so far. This is, this is not this is not me at my finest, but we're, we will get there. We're going to warm right up into it. Because back in the day, there was two types of adventure games. There was adventure games that had consequences, like let's say deaths and things like that. And then there was adventure games that are just comfort-based, which would but we're basically saying it was kind of a masked way of saying Sierra for consequences and LucasArts for comfort. Because that's a decent way to think about it, especially later LucasArts. Um so we're just going to start, I guess, by really just defining what the hell we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Anna's going to start saying stuff that'll be more understandable. <laughs> well, you said it. What we mean by consequence is just that there's different types of consequences. There's dying in a game, which is, you know, one type of consequence. There's forgetting to do something and then having it come back to haunt you four hours later in the game. That's another type of consequence. There's a, you know, if you do something you shouldn't do, maybe you could even lose points. So, you know, lots of different types of consequences and comfort. Yeah. Like not all LucasArts games, obviously, are just comfort all the way through, but, and, and not even necessarily talking about more simply narrative based games until a bit later in the episode, but right now specifically um, LucasArts games that you're not going to die in unless you, you know, sit underwater for 10 minutes or something. So that's a comfort game. You just, you know, no matter what decision you make, you're not going to put yourself in an unwinnable state and you're not going to die and you're not going to have to have restored be- or because you didn't have to save in the first place. Right. Okay. I'm settling into this. So let's start here. Let's start chapter one in defense of Sierra or mm-hmm. the pros to consequence. So man, thank God I wrote stuff down. Really fast Paul. <laughs> very professional right sounding. Ooh, well done. <laughs> Thanks Paul's. <laughs> All right, so let's let's. I think to well, I, I honestly I don't know about but the majority of our listeners, but but since adventure games have gone the way of comfort, let's let's tuck into in the defense of Sierra or the pros to consequence in that like. I think it gets a lot of consequence-based adventure game stuff gets tossed to the side now because of 
well, because deaths have fallen out of favor and because of unwinnable states and, and all the um, overtly negative things about consequence. But mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the pros of consequence just to bring up why this is even worth talking about. Like there are good things on this side and let's try to cover them. And to do that, madam, I suggest we start by naming some of our agreed upon favorite games with consequences. So we can kind of uh, explain why they're, why they needed the consequence to be so enjoyable. Yes. Right. I agree because, uh, you know, different types of consequences sort of (laughs) represent, I had a really good point in my head I was chewing on, but then I swallowed it before it was my turn to talk. So (laughs) the super Jewy noise you made there. That's good. No. Okay. What I was going to say is that, uh, different types of games too represent the consequences differently because like, for example, in early King's quest games, the consequences kind of seem random. I walked through the area at the wrong time and I lost all my stuff or I died or, you know, I fell because I went too close to the edge. Like there's that type of consequence too. And I'm not saying like, I know we're supposed to focus on the positives, but what sort of I'm talking about a little bit more is the type of consequences that, you know, you're doing something really stupid and you're going to die. Like that's a little bit more rewarding to me. Uh, Okay, King's Quest 4. It's right in the middle of those games. You're not randomly just dying as much, although you can go off in the water and the randomizer is going to hit you with the shark or not. But most of the reasons that you're going to die in that game, you kind of know. You walk by a scary tree with a giant axe, you go too close, it's going to kill you. You go near the big ogre, he's going to kill you. But to not die and to figure out those puzzles, right, gives you that extra dopamine hit that, and I mean, you get it, right? Because you have to try really, really hard. You have to do something you couldn't do before. Mm. And then you have to figure out how to do it. You have to die first because to to learn in a Sierra game how not to die, 90% of the time you have to die first, right? So you're like, oh shit, I died. Now I have to like go through and find out how not to die. And I think that hits a special kind of dopamine hit in the in the brain too, because it involves death potentially. That's kind of a big deal. The ultimate consequence. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really glad you brought this up because that's your listeners, you'll hear this a lot throughout the episode, which is the dopamine hit, because I think what, what we've kind of like baked into this episode is that there's a price to pay for, for these dopamine hits. And we're kind of going to be begging the question of what's that price going to be? What is the player going to pay to, to get hit with, to get, just to, <laughs> to get hit in the reward. I'm trying not to make it sound gross. And it is really actually pretty hard. Um, I need to get rid of the word whole with anything I say to get hit in the <laughs> the pleasure socket no anyone oh god socket so much worse <laughs> <laughs> it, it's for your reward wow your reward mechanism to fire you know so mm-hmm. so as anna was saying a second ago hey anna <laughs> Hey, Paul. <laughs> is that you're going to have to pay some sort of a price to, to get a payoff. That's, that's kind of mm-hmm. baked into the wording of payoff, right? It, it suggests that, you know, okay, but that's, that's condescending. I'm just trying to say to Anna's point is that there, there are, when I guess through defending consequence, it's like, of course there's going to be moments that you didn't like because that's that's the payoff. It's like entering mm-hmm. it's like entering a sports tournament assuming there's no participation trophy where it's just like, yeah, this is going to be real hard. There's going to be trials and tribulations. There's going to be ups and downs like any like sporting event. Probably just I'm a, the wrong person to be going into sports and probably the wrong audience to be bringing sports ball up to. But the point is, is that that's a popular means of consequence and reward. And it's just like it, 
don't forget that it's not that hard to, to, to understand in a sense, because once we get like lost in adventure game world, consequence becomes taboo. And mm-hmm. I think Anna was almost, you were almost feeling like a little, yeah, like a little like dirty for saying it. It's like, well, listen, you know, mm-hmm. things are going to happen that you're not a big fan of, but I promise it's going to pay off later. And it's like, it sounds like this crazy theory where it's like, now stick with me, right? But the trials and the tribulations, you know, they actually give you this dopamine hit when you finally get it right. Because that, that does mm-hmm. get forgotten in the adventure game genre. That, that like, well, hey, it does. Yeah, go ahead. It's like, uh, okay, you go through the game and you remember not to get killed. So next time you go through the game, you know where not to get killed and it's super satisfying. I avoid getting killed here, here, and here, and here because these are all the places I got killed. Well, how is that any different from playing a Mario game? Oh, I learned if I jump like this, I'm going to fall off this cliff. I learned if I jump up here, this Goomba's going to kill me. So I'm like, I'm going to memorize how not to get killed and then I'm going to go through the game not getting killed. So it's kind of like the same deal. Would Mario be as much fun if you took away the Goombas maybe or like made it so that there's no way you could fall down that cliff and you're going to bounce back up? Well, unless you want to use a game genie, probably not. Right. Yeah, nice reference. Yeah, that's a great point. So it's like that—that that is the divide between adventure games. And, and I, like, I, I think I've found that I'm generally more alone in being like strictly an adventure gamer, let's say, because a lot of adventure yeah. gamers also play other genres. And that's why it really baffles me even more the lack of understanding because they'll, they'll go as far as to say, okay, we're going to get into the deaths in just one second because it kind of needs to happen now. But just quickly before we really dive into how, how deaths feel to a Sierra gamer, I would, I would just want to quickly say like a lot of people on the side against consequence are like, well, but then I have to save my game. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, it, you know, yeah, yes, you, you very much do. But, but I would kind of look at it as like, at least you get to save your game. Because, mm-hmm. like, for a while there was Mario that said, like, that wasn't a thing. You would have to redo the whole, at least the world again. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, as opposed to being able to, like, drop in the middle of, of the map. So so there's that. But, but I also do want to bring up deaths real quick to clear the air with that. Because I don't believe that deaths are, are really thought of much. Okay, let's say that. Let me say it this way. Um, I've heard... The, a criticism on the side of consequences, and let's just say Sierra stuff because we're dealing with death right now, and and even the like earlier Lucas Art stuff, is that it, is that it punishes ex- exploration, to which I deeply disagree. Um, and we're going to get more into that as a positive of comfort games a little bit later. But I I do want to kind of clear the air with that and just say that I'll start us off by saying that unexpected or unfair deaths are obviously one thing or, you know, bad, bad video game design is just bad design and it always will be. But, but what we generally think of when we think of deaths is like trying something dangerous, you know, click, mm-hmm. uh, typing, look into a room and then mentioning a shard of glass and being like, <laughs> just getting this little mm-hmm. trickster part of you that kind of giggles and saves your game to go die because we were charmed by the tiny animation and by the punny death message. So I don't feel like deaths, punish exploration i feel like bad design does i i could even say that that shitty staircases do but i don't think that deaths punish exploration i think they're part of the exploration that's why there's so many videos on youtube that are like compilations of all the ways you can die in space quest 3 like you know if you grew up with that stuff you'd love that stuff that is part of the exploration Mm -hmm. yeah you're like oh my god i can't believe i've never found that death before and then i'm gonna go back i'm gonna load up that game and i'm gonna find that death myself because it's not satisfying watching it happen on the video as it is for me to go out and actually die that way and that's how my brain works with that 
Right. Yeah. Same. Same. I, like, if anything, they were just like, "What desk did I miss?" Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, because I want to find them all. It was the most. I'm like, "Oh my god, I missed that death for like 25 years." Holy shit! Like, right, that's right. cool, right? <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Exactly. It happened recently with Colonel's Bequest. I think. I think both of us had a moment with that. So. <laughs> so yeah. Just on the death thing, it's like I don't really look at death as as too much of a consequence. I mean, I. I I, I feel like they're they're put into its own little category of like a, of of a tiny little seek and reward where it's like you find the death and you get to see the animation. So mm-hmm. I'm not asking anyone, everybody listening to agree with that, but I just would ask them to understand that that's our mind frame. So it's maybe less mm-hmm. infuriating potentially for you, the listener. <laughs> because <laughs> it's just Especially like what do you mean it's not a consequence you're it. dying i thought you just said it was the ultimate consequence and it's like yeah okay right yeah i got me <laughs> good one me you really called yourself out back there but but for the for intensive purposes with sierra games it's like when you know what you're dealing with yeah and then to your point Anna, with with regrets let's say like there were times where you would uh, a death would come up on you quickly or, or you would misstep and fall off a platform and and yeah i guess one i'm not going to defend those those are annoying but two, I am going to defend them and say that, that that is part of the consequence because you die and you have to go get three more inventory items and talk to one more person and use a thing on a thing and now you're back to square one. But then you, you do kind of get that reward mechanism for having put the work in. Mm-hmm. It's true. And then when, and it's always so much quicker. You're like, oh, man, it took me 20 minutes to get there. But when you redo it anyways, it always just takes like eight because you've done it. Right. And it could even be a collective pride at the end of the game. Like it might not even be like an immediate dopamine hit, but more of like a, the feeling you get when you build something or or whatever the case is, the, the feeling you get when you really just work for something, when you suffer a little mm-hmm. bit for it, it just feels better. And I, and I, I, that's a really common, just normal human condition to, to feel good for putting work in, to have pride in the things you, you do, except, but it's like with adventure gamers, it's like, it's kind of blasphemy. <laughs> where it's just mm-hmm. like, well, what do you mean? Like, it, it, there's going to be a consequence, or there won't be an immediate reward, and it's like, okay, so that's that's, I guess, our theme here with with dopamine hits and reward mechanisms is consequences give you that. It's not the only way to get them, but it, it is is a great way to get them, a surefire way yeah. to get them, as you would in sports. Right. Okay. So that brings us to to chapter one B, which is the downside of chores and errands. So so we're not going to go from the pros of consequence to the to the cons of consequence. We're going to go pros of consequence to to the cons of the other and kind of face them off against each other. So Anna, give me the downside of comfort. Um, yeah, the downside of the comfort angle. Well, the downside of the comfort angle is I don't feel as engaged at that point. I feel like I'm watching a TV show and I want to feel like I'm going to affect change. And okay, you can do that in a dialogue-based game. Um, You can affect change through your dialogue choices, being that when you get to the end of the game, you have one of different, many different scenarios that you can choose from. But at the same time, there's no, like the only, there's kind of a consequence. The consequence is you could be a real jerk. And in the end, maybe somebody you love will die or you don't end up with anybody. So, so even in a game where it's just like dialogue based and you're just floating through it. Now that I've done that, there is consequence, isn't there? I mean, what kind of, what about, what would it be? If it was um, a game where you just floated through it and you clicked through it and every choice you did didn't matter to the choice after it and then you got to the end of it, well, then that is just a TV show, really, isn't it? 
Well, yeah, but I think furthermore, that is kind of the downside to the comfort approach, which is, mm-hmm. as, as Space Quest historian put it brilliantly, it can feel like errands. It can feel like chores. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the biggest downside is, is when, when it just feels like a giant checklist full of cutscenes, where it's like, mm-hmm. the, the, there's a lot of illusion of choice in adventure games. And, and yes, mm-hmm. sometimes there is branching paths and, and, be it, let's say beyond alt, uh, alternate endings, there there can be mm-hmm. branching paths, but but a lot of times there isn't, especially if we're talking about classic games where where it's just it's more of an illusion. It's like the, this mm-hmm. this this train is headed to that station, kind of no matter what you do. Like we are mm-hmm. telling this story. It's, there's there's not that many you know coded variables to the outcome of this man's story or woman's story or whatever the case is. Like thinking of I think in my head I just have Monkey Island the the original Monkey Island in mind where it's like mm-hmm. you're, either way you're getting off a scab you're going to Monkey you're you're kind of rescuing Elaine who kind of rescues you and the game is gonna curtains like that's mm-hmm. that's all that's gonna happen no matter what you do. So there, and there's absolutely ways of not making it feel that way not making it feel like and Monkey Island does not. I'm not attacking them. everybody's favorite game ever. I don't have the balls to do that. And, and I, frankly, I, I honestly like it. So it's, it's that's, that's not what this is. But I'm just saying that, that the, I guess the downside to, to a game that is just for comfort is that it can just feel like a checklist. And then mm-hmm. you get rewarded with cutscenes or, yeah, with you get rewarded with, with progress itself, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if there's really a ton to really go into, but it's like, you know, the pros to consequence, just to quickly recap, would be, I mean, think Laura both. Uh, think think Gold Rush. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't have to think Gold Rush, but we. Uh, are. No, think Gold Rush. We both been thinking Gold Rush. <laughs> um, you got Gabriel Knight, Freddie Farkas. I mean, there's there's okay. The, the, I think specifically Laura Bow and Gabriel Knight and Gold Rush. Okay, just Laura Bow and Gabriel Knight are very good examples where you need the you need the consequence, especially Laura Bow, both of them. Um, mm-hmm. you, you absolutely need to get things wrong to to have to have the dopamine hit. So that's your pros to consequence and your cons to comfort would be chores. It feels like mm-hmm. chores. It feels like errands or it feels like a checklist. Or it just feels like you don't matter. Right. You, like Right. That you don't have any agency upon the world. Yes. Lovely. Mm-hmm. All right. So that brings us to chapter two. To the victor go the spoils or the pros of comfort and how it became the template for modern adventures. Indeed. I ran out of so, breath saying that, so I'm just... That was pretty good. <laughs> and that, that leads us right into discussing how LucasArts games such as Sam and Max, Dot and Monkey became the standard. Why did they become the standard and why did Sierra get left? I mean, why didn't people emulate the Sierra games in the same way that they emulated the LucasArts games? Now, there's lots of reasons for that, actually, isn't there? There, there really is, yeah. And, and I guess to, to to highlight them best, we could go go over the the absolute pros of of choosing the comfort route. And I guess I would start by saying that that whole why adventure games suck, I guess article. I'm not sure what to call it. Manifesto that Ron <laughs> Gilbert wrote, I believe, in '89. Could have been '88. Just bloody don't don't give me a hard time about it. The point is that that changed adventure games more than I ever gave it credit for. And I, I might be kind of alone on that because I think everybody else is out there giving it plenty of credit. Um, <laughs> but but Ron Gilbert, by writing why adventure games suck, to which there, there's, I have, a, we can maybe do an episode just dissecting that one day because there's some issues with that too. But but I'll just say that it changed adventure games a lot in the sense that he changed the course of, of Lucasfilm, LucasArts in that moment. Because mm-hmm. up until then you had, 
a lot of a lot of issues and let's say deaths and stuff in Zack McCracken, um, Last Crusade, Loom, Maniac Mansion. So I mean, they, it really wasn't. We keep referring to Lucas Arts as comfort only, but that really wasn't the case until seemingly anyway that Ron wrote Why Adventure Games Suck and then moved into the '90s, starting with The Secret of Monkey Island, and and that really I guess is kind of the the poster, the golden child of of comfort adventure games. Um, true. Where it takes you 10 minutes to die once and that's, that's otherwise it's just, yeah, it's pure yeah. comfort. And it's neat too, just, I mean, to talk about that because he wrote the initial article in 89 and then he, re- he revisited it in 2004, which is the time when, I mean, if anybody was to come out and say adventure games are dead, which he did in that comeback. That is the time that he did that. So so he kind of said, this is what's wrong with the genre and, and this is what I think about it. And then he came back and said, and here it is, it's dead, just kind of like I told you, which is kind of fun because there he went making computer ga- or adventure games again a little bit later on. So it's just fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that would that's it. no to us. That's, that we should do an episode on both of those. Cause it's just, mm-hmm. I, I find it interesting because he affected a lot of change on the industry when he wrote that. And, and I mean... Actually, how much mm-hmm. he really affected Sierra is to be seen. I'm not sure at all. But, but Lucas completely changed gears and completely shifted into his vision for adventure games. Um, as we saw with Sam and Max and Tentacle and Full Throttle. You know, and, and so if they died and, and at least Lucas, I guess maybe his argument would be that not everybody followed that, that only Lucas did. And that might be fair. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's for its own episode. But back to the comfort and the pros of it, it's like, I guess I would just say right off the bat, I, I used this in favor of consequences earlier. Now I'm going to use it in favor of comfort is, is a game like Super Mario. But it's like mm-hmm. every other genre, every other video game genre out there has relentless amounts of pressure and, and consequence. Mm-hmm. So I could very easily get on board with the argument of like, hey, man, like adventure, hey, man, adventure mm-hmm. games is like our, our opportunity to, to sit down and and you can make it sound so romantic so easily. It's like just to cozy up, you know, get get a get a get a get a blanket. I'm not doing good with this. Get a blanket, bloody. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cup hot a, chocolate fireplace. Yeah. I'm gonna put on a turtleneck and and two handedly cup a hot cocoa and just get real comforted by by a game that I know isn't gonna sneak up on me. There's not gonna be any like slam your fist down, rage quitty, like unfair desk dead end moments. Mm-hmm. Like I can get behind all of that. It's all a great argument. And I, the, you know, spoiler, the answer is always balanced. It's always yeah. the answer to everything in life. Because you know like. what? I get, I mean, when I'm playing a LucasArts games, and we've talked about this on some previous episodes, but I found some of the puzzles to be kind of stressful or that, you know, arcade-like or that you had you couldn't really bypass it or make it easy. And maybe in that way, I'm feeling lazy. I'm like, you know what? I die and I want to restore, but I don't want to have to do this puzzle like this right now. So I lose a little bit of comfort on that side of things. If I'm wanting it to be a real tuck in hot chocolate kind of event. Help me, help me with that again. So if you want it to be comfortable, the, you're right. saying that, that you, you will, you'll lose a little bit of interest. How? Um, if the puzzles are too challenging in a mm. LucasArts game, because that's all that they're using to give me that sort of feeling of autonomy other than fetch quests, let's say. Right. Right. That's fair. Okay. Right. And I guess the, the, they've avoided that. I would say by a, and not all the time, but there is obviously like very, I'm sure there's plenty of linear examples, but I guess you would avoid that by having more than one puzzle you could do at a time. But if you mm-hmm. didn't, and then that could be very demoralizing, like just being stuck with a, with a puzzle you can't solve. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Sanitarium did that a little bit at the end. I was just like, oh my God, I'm just going to put this game down for a little bit. It just got tricky with some of the puzzles. Just trying to, I mean, it's different. I could watch a video and follow it through on that fine, but just to have to figure it out myself, they were just really challenging some of them. Yeah, that's fair because it's like, I guess, in, if, if, if having that feeling in, in a more Sierra style game, or even non-seer, like I have no mouth. You you could go fuck off and find a way to die for a laugh, and and kind of just regroup. It's like it's like taking a knee or do like circling around. Where it's like ah, eh, let's and and that's I, I guess back to our point of like deaths in those games were were, were not punishing exploration because sometimes you would do it to like just get a breather from the puzzle. Like I just want to go find something else to do. I'll save it where the puzzle is, so when I find a death and die, I can just start back at this puzzle again. Let me go blow off some steam and, and find a, a, a cute little animation and a punny death message. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z does that really well as a cartoon or even Dragon Ball. It's like it's super serious. Oh, big fight, big fight, death scene. Oh, something happened. Okay, it's funny and it's break time and they're going to do a little dance and touch fingers and there's going to be a comedy thing and Master Roshi's nose is going to bleed and, you know, it's they're going to make it super light and then they're going to be like, and, and they're really good about that, you know, uh, Japanimation and, and some of the shows like that in particular are really good at taking that tension and making it really, 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 really high. And then, and then giving you not only relaxing moments, but like super humor in them as well as like a way to dissipate everything. I like stuff. I like that kind of idea. And a lot of the games that I like kind of do that to me. Space Quest does that. It's like, yeah, there's some monotony. Sure. And yeah, it's like re a little bit repetitive and yeah, you, you know, you're going to die and you're not always going to like it and things might happen, but gosh, darn it. Isn't it ever funny along the way? <laughs> you, you reeled me back in with space quest i'm like i don't know what a dragon or a ball is first of all <laughs> <laughs> some but, of you listeners will know uh, like, at least probably three almost all of them I, the majority i think yeah i don't know why i'm putting that on everybody but i yeah i feel like i'm one of the few people who doesn't know that. it's like it's like game of thrones i'm like yeah like i just i feel like everybody saw that except for except mm -hmm. for you know except for us but anyway right so i guess i guess Swinging to the positives again of, of what comfort does right and everything would be rewarding exploration in a comforting manner in, in like as in a safer, in a safer sort of environment. And, and I will, again, I'll just say like, this is assuming that there's multiple as monkey Island did a great job with. And I, I would argue, nah, it didn't introduce it, but it did a wonderful job of giving you more than one puzzle to solve at a time. So it's like, usually you mm -hmm. could, if you got frustrated or stuck on a puzzle, you could walk around and solve a different one or, you know, have some dialogue or let's 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 assume since since we're now batting for comfort that, that that's the case as it was in many of them, and then you could I would just further it one more step and say that it rewarded exploration in that you'd never you you'd never had to worry about dying, you never had to continuously save your game. I'm, I'm trying really hard to walk in everybody else's shoes with that kind of stuff because it, it is even hard. if you sorry. No, you you go ahead. It is hard. Yes, it's, it's it's hard to imagine it as the inconvenience as a lot of people do, where it's like, man, you gotta you gotta save your game. Like you know, that takes like six seconds. And <laughs> I think it's you can sit back when you don't have to save and you don't have to worry about consequences. And especially like, there's a lot of games where if you die, it just brings you right back to where you do. Like, and that's technically not a huge consequence in that way. And you're also not worrying about saving if it's auto save. So you're just kind of like not worrying about it, playing until you're done playing, saving and quitting when you're done instead of saving during the gameplay. Like, yeah, that's, is that a big benefit? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying so hard to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, 
I, I suppose, okay, I suppose there's this lingering fear that that, mm-hmm. that they're going to die. So it's more of like you've removed that altogether. And, and it's like, how can you, how can you have a truly comfortable, let's say safe space or safe environment of gaming if, if you're told that you can die at some point, right? It's like, well, mm-hmm. what do you mean? Like, this? so you're immediately going to be more defensive and on edge. So I suppose mm-hmm. it's like, you know, making it clear, like as, as Lucas started to almost advertise where it's like, you know, there, there's no, there's none of that. Then it's just like, okay, you, you truly can just like relax and, and yeah, not, not have that fear. Um, you bring up a good point. Cause it's like, there's, there's deaths in like, I guess, fate of Atlantis where see fate of Atlantis, the game does end though. Don't you have to restore? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have to, it's like, if you die in a fight or whatever, I think it just ends. I think you have to restore. I know it. Yeah. Hmm. Because it shows that scene with the lava in the background and the hat and it mm-hmm. tells you you're right. Well, I guess you could look for like uh, m- modern adventure games like Wadget Eye. They'll have deaths in them, and, and you just respawn mm-hmm. on the spot, right? And, and which is which is what I'm moving to do with Phantom Fell. Was like originally it was going to be, I, I was uh, my original idea was like you're going to have to save it, but the only way you can die is a way that you should die. And the mm-hmm. example is the, you know the, the one in the demo, which is like if you throw gasoline on a fire, like you should probably save your game if you plan on doing that. And, and that seemed mm-hmm. really fair to me. But then the more I just the more I paid attention to what everybody wants, let's say it's, it's, it's just, it's something I had to change my mind on because it's like people just, when people want comfort, they just, they, they want to have their guard down. They don't want mm-hmm. the looming feeling of death. Like even just one death, they just want to know that they are safe. And that, that's fair. Cause it's like, you're trying to create like a, a cozy, comfortable environment that, that again is, is away from every other genre of video game where it's like this time you get to just relax, go along for the ride, have some laughs, do do with thinking every now and then. Figure a thing out. Get your dopamine hits that way from solving puzzles, and just not have to worry about ever saving your game because it is hard to remember. And, and you know, I know we both joke about it a lot, just like you know, off-air message chats where it's like forgetting to save shit when we're playing classic games for for an episode of this of this thing, where it's just like it is hard to, even from like hardcore Sierra people to remember to save all the time. So yeah, I renegotiated that and and with myself and decided to change it to to where you're gonna get the punny death message and then just an, uh, you're gonna I, well I don't know exactly you're gonna get the punny death message and I might mess with you further but either way clicking a button is gonna just immediately respawn you because mm-hmm. adventure games today don't want to deal with that and we'll get to that in our final chapter but yeah I guess when I really put myself in the shoes of the the, the modern adventure player and what they want right now and made, made a, a sacrifice, let's say, to, for my own game, for their benefit. It was to say, like, okay, they just they don't want to have to save. Even if it's one single death a day and they should die doing it, it's just, it throws them off. And furthermore, nobody's used to saving anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's almost too late. Now, adventure gamers will tell you that they still save every two seconds, even in a game, like a Wajidai game. Even though they know that they can't die, die, they still save all the time. And that's just because of, like, you know, conditioning. But but to the to the average player to, to or to the the players not from North America specifically or the ones who are really heavy on LucasArts like that is a foreign concept to them like having to save constantly so it's like I don't want to do that to people or scare people away from my game so yeah comfort is represented in in the coziness and in the the, the void of a looming death at any moment. Right. Yeah. They call it save spamming now. That's what my kids would say to me. You save spam in your games. I'm like playing Larry's a Larry game and I'm trying to, you know, gamble or whatever. And, you know, I, I save every time I win money and I restore when I lose money because I'm just trying to get the stuff done. They're just like, oh, save spammer. 
Back in my day, spamming was an email or a potted meat. We didn't. Yeah, there was no email. It was it was a song that the Monty Monty Python people sang. That we <laughs> All right. Well, let's 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 kind of go on to to chapter two B, which is the downside of consequence. So so we so hopefully we recovered a little bit and actually made a, a somewhat decent point for comfort in, in mm-hmm. saying that it's a co- a cozy environment. There's no looming threat of death, and you can get dopamine hits through. Through, through lots of other things, you can get it through earning a cutscene. You can get it through solving a puzzle that, that was, you know, challenging or or multifaceted. Um, we'll get into, I guess, stakes in a second. So, so with all that being said, the positives of of comfort playing to the downsides of consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, the downside of consequence is just that it's that frustration feeling that you get when you realize that because you didn't pick up a carrot three hours later you can't finish the game it's almost like a cruel trick that they would do to you right and the same with staircases staircases you just you see one and you save obviously but it's cliffs are kind of the same way yeah walking that's those are the really the main downsides of consequences to me really Right, because I, I I would say I would say it's mostly the latter two is the cliffs mm-hmm. and the staircase example, right? Because I think I think that the the dead ends or the Walking Dead states, um, the unwinnable states, let's say, of the carrot example you gave, I think that's just bad design, and I think everybody yeah. everybody can get on board with that. Like like as I, they I don't, didn't mean to, they said that the designers that we've talked to and we've now talked to a few said no, legit, honestly, we did not mean to do that to people. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was it was a consequence of a lot of different things. And I'll, I will just annoyingly quickly defend Sierra and say that they weren't funded by by a billionaire and they, they didn't have all the time in the world to just sit on actual Skywalker Ranch and make whatever <laughs> game they wanted. Like they, they had a business to run and things had to get out for holiday deadlines. And that's why there was a lot more problems with Sierra games, like straight up, because they, they were, you know, they were making money. They, they weren't just not losing it. So, so you know, just keep that in mind. Uh, I, I think specifically some of our YouTube friends who who are just just savage with Sierra sometimes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so mean, not actually mean, but you know what I mean. I just I, I, these are things I wish I these are things I yell at YouTube screen sometimes. Where I'm like, oh come mm-hmm. on, they're on Skywalker Ranch, just just mm-hmm. sitting around buffet tables doing whatever they want. And I think that's super fair. And we have, I mean, we've touched on it before. Sierra was a company that started uh, at the beginning of a genre that kind of created a genre, mixed things together that weren't being mixed together. And and it was a husband and wife sitting at a table, kind of drawing pictures and diagrams and sorting stuff out, you know, whatever the business is. And, And LucasArts was able to take all of that information and all of that time and process it, play it, see what they didn't like about it, and then start with everything and then create something out of it. And that's, that's, those are so, so different to me. And I have a huge amount of respect for both of them and what they've done. But I have to give a little nod to the underdog, Sierra, being the the something from nothing. It always gets me every single time. And I think what you just said there would have, would have, Quite arguably even triggered a few of our listeners to just be like, whoa, mm-hmm. what do you mean underdog Sierra? And it's like, yeah, underdog. Like they always mm-hmm. get painted as like the corporate giants because of their success, but they, they were just a literal husband and wife that were putting floppy disks in plastic baggies mm-hmm. and shipping off high res to people. Like that's how they started. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then they, they earned their position as number one in the industry, but it's like, I'm not sure I'd really call either of them underdogs. I mean, one, 
sure, Sierra does have a bit of a rags to riches vibe to it, which is nice and understated. But mm-hmm. it's like you can't say that they're you can't say that they that they were like the the can't say that they had this like gigantic advantage when when the other when the opposition was was funded by you know I don't think he was a billionaire at the time but George Lucas was mm-hmm. was doing fine <laughs> he was a mm-hmm. hundreds of millionaire <laughs> yeah and, and uh, Lucas Arts kind of kept its style and stayed consistent with it all the way through and Sierra was always pushing that envelope to go to the edge of technology I mean there's a part of me that can't help but wonder if they kept the original style and the simpler graphics what would have become but I don't think they would have lasted either way. Yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, exactly, and the behind-the-scenes stuff. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that, too, because that is, that is something that's, that gets – the narrative gets a little weird sometimes on some of the YouTube videos because everybody's just so keen to champion LucasArts, and, and it's mm-hmm. like they, they do forget that they had just this crazy advantage of being told don't lose money as opposed mm-hmm. to don't – you know, as opposed to please make money. So that's a mm-hmm. really big difference, and, and then you, you place them on like a utopia in the middle of California on, you know, just this gigantic ranch – um, the, 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 literally the whole world knows what Skywalker Ranch is and that's where they worked mm-hmm. from and they just got to like think of an idea and make it except for Last Crusade that was like the only time they were stressed and that game had mm-hmm. tons of problems when it came out because they had to rush it, it and for a split second they knew what it was like yeah for a split second I was just going to say they barely even had to write the script for that when that game essentially wrote itself already right. before it was even turned into a game so yeah Right, so it feels good to get that sorted. All right, now that was supposed to be mm-hmm. us putting consequences down, but okay, we kind of we'll circle back into saying that that all those dead states. A reason for that was to kind of ex- explain how they ended up with dead states, as according to Allo mm-hmm. and the Williamses and people we've had the pleasure of talking to, which is as Anna said, they were not intentional, and it was from all the things we just said. But that being said. Mm-hmm. Besides Walking Dead states and things like that, the downside of consequences, what Anna said in the very beginning, which was like falling off of a staircase or walking too far down the screen, let's say in Space Quest 3 and dying, like there, there was some annoying things where it's like, damn it. Like I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I've put it, I tried to paint it more romantically where it's like you type look into the room and you find out there's a shard of glass and you save it and give a trickster smile and go touch the glass to see what the death animation is. But the, the uglier side of that was just accidentally pressing the down arrow for one second too long and falling off the cliff and being like, fuck, mm-hmm. dude, I haven't saved in like 43 minutes. Like that yeah. that's very real. And that really did suck and was quite annoying. So it's like, okay, we're building towards the, the like modern adventure games and what should stay and what should go and ideal an ideal world for adventure games based on everything we know. And I would say that shit's got to go. Like it, it mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> That's not a good type of consequence. I guess you could say like, that was a very frustrating form of consequence, which was just, mm-hmm. you know, accidentally, you know, yeah. Accidentally walking the wrong direction and dying for it. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And like I said, they really did that a lot in the early King's Quest games and the early, all of the, the early Space Quest games, the early Leisure Suit Larry games. It's like, oh man, I accidentally walked too far on the road and now I've gotten hit. And they calmed down on that. My, my favorite timeline is that middle zone though, where, you know, you, your screen pauses when you start typing and everything's beautiful, but it's still super simple. There's still consequences, but they're not quite as random anymore, even though most of the early games use randomizers for some reason or another right but it's fun i think it's just because of the program like i like to use it well you know that because i'll message you and be like what you know i've I've got two things of art or two different lines and like i gotta pick one you'd be like i don't know i like them both or whatever and be like Mm -hmm. okay well then we'll randomize it (laughs) there's this kind of fun element to just be like throw it in the wind (laughs) 
But yes, I I, so your point reminds me of, of, of everybody's biggest peeve with, with Sierra style games, which is punishing exploration. So mm-hmm. I guess that is the ultimate downside to consequences is if you're afraid that you can fall off a cliff and, and yeah, you're going to explore less. You're going to explore less if you have to save spam as the kids say. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> like it, it does punish exploration to a large degree. I guess our caveat or our little annotation to that is like, we didn't really see most deaths as, as punishment. We, we saw it as kind of, a, but we already covered that. So putting like, mm-hmm. Putting aside like those kind of deaths, ultimately the consequences run a high risk of punishing exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what about uh, in, you know your early King's Quest game? You know, going over the bridge too many times, and it's like if you're just brand new to the game, you don't even think about it. You're like, oh man, I'm going to go over the bridge three, four times. It's no big deal if you do it all right in the beginning. Realize you can't. The place dies, and then you're done. But then it's like it really sucks if you go all the way through the beginning of the game and you realize the bridge has that crack in it. By the time you get to the part where you need it, you get off, you go onto the other island, the bridge cracks, you can't get back. You're like Jesus. So that kind of sucks. Right. Right. Actually, Enclosure does have a moment like that too. Right. When you collect mm-hmm. that that certain flower out in the snow you can only step off that cliff like two maybe three times and then it cracks oh too much God. and falls and then i and had to turn the speed way down and i couldn't find the right spot not that it was that tricky it took me what like seven tries but yeah i know <laughs> and, and that is like a, if you die you you have to restore from your last load and like yeah that could be a pain that that's definitely punishing exploration let's say so mm-hmm. so yeah that's a huge downside to consequence Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially well, when I wasn't really used to that sort of thing happening in the game, so it kind of catches you off guard. Right, right. Okay, so that that brings us to chapter three, which is which is the modern adventure game. Um, oh, this one doesn't have a fancy title. Okay, so it's just the modern adventure game is a product of comfort, and and mm-hmm. and it kind of well, it a hundred percent is because ultimately the the. <sighs> Basically, the, the the template for adventure games was taken straight from from the Lucas Art Lucas Art's approach, mm-hmm. from the approach yeah. of let's just say Monkey Island alone, possibly, from how popular it it, it remains. So, mm-hmm. a choice was made, and all of all of consequence was completely abandoned. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say? What would you say? what would you say that you notice of that statement when you recently played techno Babylon or, or, you know what I mean? Like, what, what, do we really notice it gone? Do we notice better gameplay? Like what would, how would you kind of summarize how playing a modern adventure game is based on this? Um, I think modern adventure games. Yeah, I do notice it. I think, okay. Like something like techno Babylon, it was really, really text heavy. And it, it did give me the illusion that the choices and what I said and did mattered, even though I think there was only about two or three times in the game where that actually was the case. Mm-hmm. So, so that flowiness and not worrying about death, I, I do. I'll take, I'll take that consequence and I'll move it. I'll be like, okay, I don't have to worry about death, but I do have to worry about representing the type of character I want to represent in this game. I do have to worry if I'm going to get the kind of ending I'm looking for, or I do want to worry that if I don't save it here, you know, I might miss seeing an alternative ending because I mm. took a different path. So I'll, I'll still like all my Sierra brain finds a way to find consequence anywhere. <laughs> right. That's interesting. You're right about the, the- oversaving just in case the game's about to branch off in a direction it's because you're told like mm-hmm. decisions have consequences or, or you know marketing kind of angles like that and whether they do or don't you're kind of like yeah prepared mm-hmm. for in the saving sense it's interesting well i mean it's it's obvious that the game design is better as it should be mm-hmm. we've learned a lot of lessons there's, there's 
there's no real walking dead end situation anymore. And there's, there's no like falling off a cliff unfairly unless it's like a blatant homage sort of situation. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they've mostly greatly benefited. I would just say that there are with, I'm going to not name names actually with this one, (laughs) but there are some modern adventure games and, and I'm just, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name names, but there are some modern adventure games that just feel like a checklist where it's just like, whew. like you said, I love dialogue heavy games. I don't want to shit on that because it's something no. that, that, that we just noticed being shat on before we got on air. And it's like, Hey, what the hell? That's what adventure games are. We're supposed to get, you know, mm-hmm. I, I bring like, bring it on as long as it's good. But, but there are moments where it's just like, are we just going to just, re- is this just like an interactive storybook? I guess, you know, it mm-hmm. runs the risk of, of just being like a literal interactive story where it's like, you get to click through the lines and, and every now and then figure something out. But for the most part, it can really feel like, especially when it's linear, it's like when you have nowhere else to go and you just have to face that dragon of dialogue yeah. down in the eyes. And it's like, Oof, okay, let's get through this. Let's actually read it though. Come on. You won't know what's happening in an hour if you don't. And that's mm-hmm. that can be that that can be pro- that's probably the biggest problem with a lot of modern adventure games with with this with this lack of so called consequence. Yeah, because I can't even compare that to a choose your own adventure game like I would do with some other games because there is no like if you don't do that if you do this turn to page twenty four oh you died but it's not not even as much consequence as the book but at the same time it feels formulaic like a book like it's all already been written and you're just picking through and picking the right page to go to so it's a little bit of both. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's well put. All right. Well, that, I, okay. So that kind of brings me on to, to our chapter four, which is finding balance going forward, right? Just kind of, kind of skip towards merging them together because mm-hmm. I, I guess, well, I guess another downside really is, is there can be this kind of like nihilistic feel to the game where it's like nothing I do is going to matter. And so mm-hmm. like, I am just, all I have to do is just move forward. I don't have I'll to stop really- reading. I'll stop reading. I will. If I feel that what Mm -hmm. I'm reading is not necessary and if it's not funny or enjoyable, not saying it's bad writing, but if I feel it's unnecessary or too heavy and lore and I don't have to know it for any reason, I'm not going to pay attention. Right. That's interesting to use lore because that is usually the case where I think, I think a lot of writing without maybe comedy aside, because we're all, we Mm -hmm. just, we all love laughing. So it's like, whatever the price for that. But, but I think otherwise there is this, there is a problem with lore in modern adventure games where it's like, they assume that you really they, they assume that you care as much as they did. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, if it's done right, we absolutely will and do. But there is this risk of like, if the game isn't engaging other senses of mine, then I'm gonna slowly start to check out a little bit where it's just like, mm-hmm. look, I know this is a big deal to, to like you, and like this is a really well put together story, but I, I you're you're trying to get me to understand like the lives of 14 people right now. And it's mm-hmm. like it's a lot. <laughs> it can be it can be an absolute checklist of, of things to do, mm-hmm. and I and I'm sure there's just there's a lot of things that cause that, whether it's pacing or a lack of reward. But there's also this kind of nihilistic thing where it's just like if I don't feel like I have agency, mm-hmm. um, which I, it can also come down to just like the reward mechanism not being triggered enough. But still, it's like it runs this risk of the worst of modern adventure games do run a risk of just shoving a lot of stuff down your throat. Let's say to put it harshly. Or it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I care anymore. Like, what else? What else in the game is going to help me care about the the, the broader story? So, yeah, because I might not even care until I've played two, three, or four games in the series, and then I'm going to go back and say, "Hey, I kind of wonder what the origin." Because I'm so invested now, but I'm probably not going to get there in one game unless it's one hell of a game. Right. So I guess I guess 
it's it can also be a problem of stakes, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. without consequence, you have to you have to kind of fake you kind of have to manipulate the player into feeling that the stakes are high. Mm-hmm. Somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's possible, right? It's done. You can do that with atmosphere. Well, um, then look at a game like Myst. How is that? A, I mean, there's a game with no real consequence, no real other characters. It's just kind of puzzles going from room to room, but it's not a hidden object game. Right. Right. Well, okay. So, so Wajidai does this good. Um, Unavowed mm-hmm. does this really well. So in Unavowed, okay. there's this constant... There's this little kind of of niggling stress, where it's, where it's like you, if if you stay if you stay put in a in a specific room in, in a, at a you know moment of gameplay, it can just feel kind of like something bad's gonna happen, and you know nothing mm-hmm. bad's gonna happen, but it still makes you feel like not at ease. In yeah, a like good when way. you go break into the trailer on the construction site in one of them, and the ghost has to go through. And I mean, even though you're a ghost, and even though you're in the trailer, and you know you're not supposed to be there, and you're looking through somebody else's mail to get information so you can get your girl in here, but it still gives you that feeling of like, oh man, is she going to walk in the door any second? And then, and he's really good. I mean, these games are really good at creating that feeling. Right. Right. Exactly. So this is good. We're actually we're, we're bringing balance to the talk too, which is nice because and Thimbleweed Park does that really well as mm-hmm. as well. And so I would I would accredit that to a lot to to the atmosphere to like just the environment the, to the to the music or the lack of music you know the, at the right times, and so there is a way to to create an environment that feels like the stakes are high without mm-hmm. actual stakes. That is possible, but it's like I guess it's it's as as it's as hard as it perhaps sounds to pull off. It's not something that that is, is done at ease or like every game just that's not a problem. Like you you do need stakes because if I don't feel like I need to know what they're saying. And mm-hmm. there, you know and like you had said and there's not a laugh to be gained, things like that. Like you're just like deep into a drama. If I don't feel yeah. like I need to know this stuff, my brain will start checking out completely. And like you know just it, it starts clicking without my permission almost where it's just like let's it's go, like, let's go. Um, if I'm playing an indie game and I know that there's a whole bunch and I, I respect all of us lovely indie game devs and everybody else, that's fine. But if I'm playing an indie game and I've realized that a lot of the lore in the game is based on pictures of people that contributed to the game. And I, I respect all of that and understand you need to do it. But I'm just saying for me personally, I'm not going, I'm going to start discounting things that are actually in the game that I need to see, because I'm going to start assuming everything in the game. That's just how my brain works is going to be, Oh, this is probably somebody else who contributed. So like for me, if some of the puzzles are fun stuff, but it has nothing to do with the game. And then other puzzles are actually to do with the game, but they're all mixed up in one game. My brain just doesn't want to look at any of it. Right. Right. That's fair. That's that's probably part of my aversion to logic puzzles too, where it's just like, dude, this doesn't have anything. Nobody locks their pantry like that. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody locks their door with sliding tiles. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So well, then it, there's a game getting overcomplicated for the sake of having lack of consequences. So it gets really long and it gets really convoluted and the puzzles gets really, really difficult and it can be frustrated and consequence filled in a completely different way. But at the same time, there's no consequences and you can't die and everything's fine. That's a great point too, because it, I, that is that is a slight—I don't want to say trend, but that's something that that is more prevalent in modern adventure games than it used to be. Which is the puzzles will get harder as the game goes on, or they'll mm-hmm. feel like the final puzzle or two should be really fucking hard just because it's the yeah. end of the game. And it's like, wait a minute! True. Like, first of all, that's—I I have the least amount of, of stamina at this point. Like, this mm-hmm. is the end of the exactly. game. It's been—it's been a long road, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Exactly. We've all got like a thousand more in our Steam libraries. Like. This is this is you know this isn't the time for us to like God, 
Ah, oh, never mind. It's a huge spoiler, but <laughs> yeah, never mind. But it's, yeah, the point is, it's like making making the puzzles harder as you go along, or making the last puzzle like a boss level puzzle. It's like this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't that kind of game. We don't need a boss level like at, at all. It's it's not it's not necessary, and that's something that I see more and could be because yeah, creating consequence where it's like yeah, but to finish it, you have to get this really hard puzzle done. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa. No, please, no, please don't do that. That's no fun. Yeah. So. Well, that was always, I mean, even as a kid, I hated that. I'm like, why does every single game have to get consistently harder and harder and harder and harder? Is there not a game? And I mean, they've listened, right? When I was playing Mario, it's like, oh man, couldn't it all be kind of easy? Like the first three levels, like whatever, I finished it, but it doesn't matter. But then I was like, the Mario came out for the the 3DS and all of those ones. And it's like, oh my God, I play like two levels. I've got 30 bloody lives. If I die too many times in a row, the game's just like, I've noticed you've been dying. Would you like a super secret invincibility power? Like, I'm like, right. oh my God, could I just suck at the game for a little while without you like being here? Please? Right, right. <laughs> Careful what you ask for. <laughs> right. That's, yeah, it's so true. And it's, and that is mercy, I guess, on all of Branch to, to, to every adventure game that we're talking about or being mm-hmm. hard on, where it's like, it, it, we are just extremely picky creatures and it is really hard to hit that pocket of like make it hard but not too hard give us help but not yet <laughs> and and things like that so it, it is hard and that's why you know it's 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 fun to i guess talk about and digest but you you brought us kind of nicely into <laughs> well okay I'll, I'll say as it's written in my notes here it's it's like don't throw the baby with the bathwater. so it's like i i I think all of Sierra and, and the way they work has been thrown aside and, and just like deemed archaic or just, you know, not useful anymore. And mm-hmm. so I'm just, I'm curious if, if any of it is, if any of it is still useful, if any of this consequence stuff is still useful, keeping in mind that, that at some point I said, Hey, I was going to do this and you were going to have to save your game like back in the day. But, but I, I took that back and was like, never mind. People don't want mm-hmm. that anymore. So like, you know, is it up to like single developers like me to take a chance and like try to force this shit back in? Or is there anything really even to bring back? Like how important is it to, what are people, I'll frame it this way. What are people losing, let's say in in Phantom Fellows by um, automatically respawning as opposed Mm -hmm. to having to load their game and and have possibly have not saved it in a long time and this and that. Yeah. Is it worth it? Is the consequence worth to bring back? I think, well, I mean, that leads me into thinking about how you're dealing with consequences and and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Like you want the consequence to be there. You want people to understand that something stupid can happen, but you also don't want them to feel like they're out on a tightrope with no safety wire. I mean, that is, that is kind of the goal. I mean, okay, ultimately, sure. You want like a hardcore mode for 3% of the people to turn off. Do you want an autosave or do you want a warning before your death? But you're not going to do that, obviously. So I think that's a catering to like that midline where you're going to have some people experience things they weren't sure they wanted to experience and be okay with it. And then other people being like, oh man, I really miss the old school death and now I can have it, but I feel okay about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. So I was just going to say, it's kind of a fair warning that that is literally the chapter of our little, of our, of our last segment here, which is, well, fair warning, but it's, it, it, you know, it asks the question again, like the, what is the price to pay for dopamine hits? Um, But then it says next is the dangers of spoon feeding. So I guess I could say, you know, with, with Phantom Pillows as an example, it's like refusing to spoon feed. So it's like, okay, you you are, you don't have to save your game ever. Mm -hmm. 
So, no. so in that sense, there is there is no true consequence. Um, mm -hmm. You might want to, I guess, save it, like maybe towards the end, is things like Anna said, where it's like you know, if you want to see alternate endings, or you can do most puzzles two different, at least two different ways. So maybe you could argue that you might want to save it just to to see what the the harder offsite solution is. But but ultimately, it's like how are you how how do adventure games today keep the stakes high and also prevent spoon feeding? And before I hand it over to you to actually answer, I'm just going to add this little comment that that you helped me really think of which is what streamers want isn't always best for players. And mm -hmm. what I'm noticing is trying to be careful in game design is that streamers have the loudest voices when it comes to any genre of game. You know, it's like they, they are, they're, they're the, the face of it to a degree. Like we go to their channels to, to see the reviews and the latest releases and, and the playthroughs and things like that. The streamer is, is the, the, the celebrity face, let's say. Mm -hmm. So it kind of throws this caution out there. Because um, it was suggested to me by a streamer that I that I put arrows or, or so do some sort of solution to where or hotspot where at the farthest when the mouse is at the far left or the far right that you could click there and have the player automatically move out of the room because hmm. they didn't want to have to walk across the whole room and and right. I was like I'm I'm drawing a line there that's too far because to me adventure games really truly is about exploration. And I'm not saying that punishes it because it really it's just irrelevant. It 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 removes exploration, where it's just okay. like, hey, you can just you can just mindlessly just sit back and just just single, just click, you know, just single you've click. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just saying you've accommodated that as well in your game. To a degree, but I mean, I'm not letting them just skip through the whole room. Like you can't, you know what I mean? You can't no, click. But you on have a speed slider. That's why you're accommodating. You right, have that. Right. I mean, to me, that's the to me that's like the ultimate. Oh my god! You think it sucks? Walk faster. Right, <laughs> but but see, and that's fair. But it's like people people are. And this is, I guess, part of this whole fair warning subject matter. Is like mm -hmm. people are saying, well, that that's not good enough for for mm -hmm. maybe for the same reason that it's hard for certain people to save a game. Like they feel like it's a huge inconvenience, and we're like, oh, it only takes eight seconds. But to them, it's like we have to open the menu and then move the slider and then go back to the game. And then what if you want to change the speed back? Then you have to go back to the menu and move the slider and go back to the game. And, you know, they'll use all 140 characters to explain something that takes 12 seconds. But still, it's like mm -hmm. that's they've decided that and that's that. And they are the mm -hmm. they are the ones buying it. So it's like, OK, trying to really listen to this. But you're saying that you want the characters to be able to skip all the way across the screen in one click to just room like click on a door, go to the room, click on a door, go to the room. And it's like. There's no exploration in that. You're not you're not tempting the player with a chance to look at the objects in the room. You know, it's it's really just part of my part of this kind of like warning of like the dangers of, sp of spoon feeding is you're going to end up with just like a hidden object situation where you just like stare at a room, click on the slightly brighter objects, or try to find the object that gives you the right response, and then click out of the room and click in. And it's like, well, then why does it? Why is there a walk cycle for your character's sprite? Like, what, mm -hmm. what are we doing here? <laughs> Plus, I mean, a walk cycle is kind of the entry. It's like the hazing, I think, of the adventure game development world. Until you can make a walk cycle look good, you know, people are just going to look at you all cockeyed. <laughs> yet. It's kind of a big deal. And, you know, that's one thing I've heard even from talking to some of the developers that made game in the earlier days. They're like, oh, man, the game was right. It was great. But I just I never could get the hang of what the walk cycle was supposed to look like in my head. <laughs> that's awesome. I never heard that before the hazing. That's good. <laughs> well, all right. So I guess the on the point, it's like the, the what the streamers want isn't always best because 
no. for the sake of streaming, it's like, it's a lot easier to navigate through a game really quickly. And, mm-hmm. and I guess it's like almost like a warning, like, Hey, let's not lose some of the stuff we love about adventure games because at the end of the day, like you can only look at things and talk it, talk to things and walk around. Like that's, that's, you get you, sorry. You can look, interact, and talk. That's that's like mm-hmm. the three things that you do in an adventure game. Or zipper, yeah. <laughs> right, and it's like if if you take away, if you start just taking them away and dwindling them down, like you really do get left with with a glorified hidden object sort of situation, um, mm-hmm. or or you know just just a graphic novel that that boots up on a computer and you you click through the text and it shows you pictures and it's like. Adventure games probably should rem- should ask themselves what they're looking for, and also remember that it, it is sometimes it's having to walk back and forth through a map three times. Like, let's say you're at the end of of, of a chapter in a game, and you're at that point where like you think you've done everything, but something's missing. So you got to walk through the corridor and back down the hallway and into the bedroom. And there's nothing there, so you go back through the corridor and down the hallway again, and there's nothing. And it's like, yeah. Wouldn't it be nice in that moment to have a button that just clicks you out of that room, out of it? Because now I know I've got everything, and it's not about exploring anymore. I just need to get through this room, or it would mm-hmm. it would make the stream a lot better, things like that. <laughs> and and it, but it's just to remind people, it's like, hey, but that that's the work. So you put that work in, and you suffer a little bit, and you sweat a little bit to get through that. And then when you get there and you figure out the problem, you have that ah, that that glorious aha moment when the dopamine releases and the reward mechanism rings its bell. Like none Feels of that good w- just to hear you say it. Jeez, yes, that. <laughs> none of that would happen without putting the work in. Like you have mm-hmm. to, it has to suck for a little tiny percentage of its gameplay. There has to be like three to five, maybe 10% of the game that's a little grindy, that's a little bit of work because without that work put in, you're not going to get these dopamine hits. And and I'm convinced mm-hmm. that the, the, the modern games that don't engage us are the ones that fail to do that, where it's just, they're so scared of, of hitting any of these like Sierra E critiques that they just want to make it as easy as possible for you. And they're like, well, the puzzle's not easy. They have to figure that out. So, but like everything mm-hmm. else is just given to you and handed to you and spoon fed. And you've only got to click one time. And the game will decide what happens when you click on it. Like, you know, like that kind of stuff where it's like, whew, okay. I mean, like there was only three things to do, but I guess now there's just one, which is like the yeah. game decides what, whether I'm talking or looking at or describing the person because it depends on what time in the game I clicked on that person. But it's like, damn, like there's a sleuthy, there's like a sleuthy detective side to like choosing how you interact with, with somebody else in a game or in a comedy mm-hmm. like with Phantom Fellows, it's like, I, we mentioned this on the hotspot interview, but it's like, I would never give away, give up the opportunity to let players choose whether they poke a human or talk to them. Cause it's a comedy, like having a, having a ghost potentially poke a human or, 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 mm-hmm. or even the human try to poke the other human. It's like, there's, there's potentially something to laugh at there. And it's mm-hmm. just like with modern games, the, the two click interface or the, the bass interface kind of style, steel sky style. It's like the game decides, but we'll tell you if you're, you know, poking her or talking to her or whatever, because you know, Depends on what part of the game you're in, and I just, I just think we're we're at danger of like losing some charm, and mm-hmm. by by just being like, you know, give me everything right now. I don't right. want to put any work in, and it's like, yeah, eh, you, you really can't have it all, man. Like you really can't. Like you, you're not going to get that reward without the work. Mm-mm. 
No, I agree. And then, and then it's like it's like uh, following a walkthrough for a game that does have consequences. So you've never played it. So you're going to play it. So you're going to follow a walkthrough. And that's great. And I bet it feels good to finish it. And I'm glad you know that you know that you finished the game. But did you get a single dopamine hit? Right. That's that's a great way to put it. That's such a nice universal way to relate because both of us have used walkthroughs. Everybody's used walkthroughs. And it, it, that's a great way to look at it where it's like the difference in how you feel about a game. Like I... I love Thimbleweed Park above so many other modern adventure games and Golden Wake too, because I, I beat them on my own. I wasn't rushing for an episode for, for this. I wasn't mm-hmm. making a game, so I had time to play and enjoy it. A lot of different variables as to why. Or as to why I frequently have to, you know, use universal hints or, or walk through nowadays. But I've still to this day have like these cherished memories of, of 23 hours of Thimbleweed Park on my own, figuring that shit out one by one. I, I remember when it came out, I played it in the first week and beat it. It took me all that week. And I, just, I literally just played it like all day for several days. And I was trying to get it done before a walkthrough came out because I didn't trust myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, did. I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it still means a lot to me. So I guess that's the best way I could make the point I'm trying to make is if anybody can relate to that, where it's like, just think of the games that you beat without a walkthrough and how disproportionately proud or, or how much you disproportionately love that game compared to others. Even if it's arguably not the greatest game, you still look at it with this reverence because you did it mm-hmm. yourself. And that's, that's this work you know, work in reward out sort of thing that I guess we're banging on about here, where it's like, you, you, if you don't put the work in, you end up with that feeling that you get with a walkthrough, which was, this was fun. I totally enjoyed it. I got to see the anime. It was, a, you'll still enjoy it because a good adventure game is a great story. So it's like, Tomb yeah. Tombstruck is kind of like that. You could just play it like a movie if you didn't really want to yeah. figure it out. Right. Right. And like, yeah, and it's like, I totally, it's like, in its worst case, I'm arguably saying that it's like an interactive movie and we all love movies. So it's like, yeah, it's not a bad thing, especially we're not trying to villainize using walkthroughs either. Mm-hmm. There's a way not to enjoy it no matter what. But there is an extra bit of oomph or, or memory or, it, you know, mm-hmm. it, like that, that um, Disney Pixar in and out whatever movie was like the core memories. Like you, you get like a core memory when you beat it on your own. Like that game mm-hmm. gets its own special little marble ball or whatever. <laughs> I wish I didn't go there, but it's too late. But yeah, you get like this core memory because it's like I beat this on and you're proud of it. And it's like all this blood, sweat and tears that you put into it that comes out with it. So I'm just I guess I'm just trying to say that our conclusion or my conclusion, sorry, from all this is that is that we need some balance. Mm-hmm. If, if we make everything just one single click and just spoon feed everything, there's going to be like this hollowness and and. I'm scared of things heading in that direction because there's so many adventure games and so many indie games. And it's like, everything feels very disposable right now where it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, you've got three seconds you know, entertain me, amuse me. And then the, the off of his head next. And it, mm-hmm. it just has this very, just like ruthless sort of like entertain me or die kind of vibe. And, and it's like, I almost see people going through things more dispensably because they know mm-hmm. that they have more. And, and they're just like, I'm not getting the hit I want. I'm not getting, where's that now? Where's that feeling I used to get? Where's that rush? Where, you no, know, not this one. Nope, that's not it. And just critiquing and critiquing and just looking for this lost rush that they used to feel. And it's like, well, maybe that rush comes from the work that you're not putting in anymore. You're just <laughs> like massively uh, viewing different titles instead of like tucking into maybe a single one. 
Mm -hmm. And like knowing it inside out as well. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, us old people sitting around going, oh, you know, those kids with their TikToks and their, their reels (laughs) and all their 15 seconds to be entertained. Well, in my day, it took 15 (laughs) hours to entertain me, you know. (laughs) That's beautiful. there's got to be a middle ground too. Like, yeah, I, I want to, I, some people you're playing a game like Elden Scrolls or something like Elden Ring. I don't know. People are going to make fun of me. That's fine. But you're playing a game like that and it's vast and it's massive. And you're telling me that your playtime is a hundred hours, 150 hours, 400 hours, 700 hours. Oh man, I need to discover every nook and cranny and you can die. And there's a lot to read and there's lore and there's story and there's adventure, right? You just add the RPG element to it. So people still want all of those things. It's just only in certain ways and and in certain times. And, And there's always that preconceived notion that the way that Sierra did things is not how people want it because it didn't work and it didn't last. But I still think there's validity in the setup of a Sierra game, everything from its menu style to the way that they give you consequence and reward. Beautifully put. That's it's a really nice way to wrap it up because it's like people do still want that, and but and I guess maybe that you're helping me articulate my point, which is perhaps people are forgetting that you can still get that from adventure games, like mm-hmm. that. It, uh, knowing it deeply, uh, especially if, if exploration is rewarded and there's lots of uh, flavor text and lots of lots of hot spots to find, and maybe maybe the hot spots aren't labeled for you. Like maybe mm-hmm. maybe you click on everything, and everything gives you a response. Or yeah, like or, Space Quest Six, you know. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know, it's there's a few ways to look at that. Where it's like mm-hmm. we won't dive, we'll open it back up again. But the point being is that is that mm-hmm. if you put the time in it and intimately explore it, and you're rewarded, and that's not on you, that's on the dev side. But if you're rewarded for the exploration, like you you can. I can't wait to play Thimbleweed Park again. I've been saying that since literally since like as soon as it was over, I was like, I'm gonna play it this really again. Has. <laughs> <laughs> like I just I loved that game. It was so much fun. I liked the ending. Fuck you guys. I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah. I love I'm that. I mean, I'm not going to say nothing, but I'm going to say that's the kind of thing I fall for and I love it. And I know some people are like, don't go there. I'm like, no, no, this shit gets me, but I can't, I won't, I won't say nothing. Yeah. He took a swing, man. It's different. I, I thought it was, yeah, yeah I, I thought it was great. I love the entire <laughs> experience and I can't wait to play it again. And, and that's mm-hmm. because I could, I could explore everything as every character and get a response and just all the things that, that we love. And that's possible. It's, 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 it's totally out there, but you know, Thimbleweed Park was a nine verb game. Like there was work that you had to put into it and and it, it was wasn't just like a single game. click did everything sort of situation. So lots of people gave up at the clown. I was a part where I had to put it down for a few days and think about it too. There was stuff to figure out, right? It was not straightforward. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I, I mentioned it was like it took me 23 hours, but a whole week of playing it every day because there was a lot of like walking, yeah, of, of setting it down and thinking about it. And yeah, really old yeah. school kind of vibe. So and it actually gives you that feeling of consequence too, because different things happen to different characters throughout the game. And depending on how it happens, you have to use the other character to figure it out and make up for it. So it really does give you that lifetime consequence kind of a feeling. Exactly. Exactly. So yes, if anybody was pinning us as like anti-Lucas or anything like that, like Thimbleweed is probably the, the shining example of, of mm-hmm. how modern adventure games could proceed, you know, with, with, with a good deal of balance, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That was good. I feel good about that. All right, guys. So this is this is just Paul. All right. I'm not going to – I was going to kind of play it off like it's still part of the episode, but it's actually it's through the magic of the internet. This is several days later. I'm actually recording this, speaking of the internet, through the internet because if I was to just hardline it – this sounds like drugs. It, look, 
the point is, if I if I don't do it through the internet, then the quality would just be jarringly better than it was in the, this whole other previous recording from what feels like years ago, but was just seconds to you. I think we all understand how recording works. So um, the reason I'm patching in for this message is one, you know, Anna just she blew the outro. It was just the worst. Um, <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. It was fine. It, it was eventually fine. Um, but the reason I'm patching this in is because we have some very exciting news that is kind of breaking, I guess you could say, and that is um, that we are teamed up with Adventure Game Hotspot to be a part of the Adventure Game Hotspot network, um, which is really, really exciting because, I mean, frankly, it's, it's quite an honor because of the company that we're in. And that company is none other than Space Quest historian who who just he know he trolls knows I have a crush on him I, I always have um, I like you know just gigantic Denmarkian men <laughs> is that is that okay can I can I say that oh she's not here I should stop saying that stuff in case like a, a single nerdy female would like to reach out to me at some point yeah should I nah it's worth it how do you say Denmark okay wait a person from Denmark is a oh fuck it's danish of course it is i love those they're delicious all right so anyway we're we're part of the this is not going well again i just i i I have rough starts everybody knows that by now but the point is is that we're part of the adventure game hotspot network (laughs) calm down with with trolls with the space quest historian with one short eye with uh, conversations with curtis which would be curtis and daniel should i be saying names with adventure game geek um it's really exciting. Like, like I, I, I love all of their channels. Of, of course, with Adventure Game Hotspot themselves, I guess I probably didn't need to say that's a bit redundant. But um, and should I be saying names, right? Because like I feel like some somebody Anna got yelled at on Twitch for using real names the other day, and she's like, "Don't, don't say people's names anymore." It turns out it's kind of like hey, you can't share pictures of your kids online, but you can give them their own YouTube channel. I, I don't understand the world anymore. But the point is, is that we are really, really proud honestly to be a part of this because i I genuinely watched all these channels and have for years um one short eyes channel has helped me prepare for episodes i was just telling him that that our sanitarium episode couldn't i I couldn't have sounded so prepared if not for you know just lifting stuff he said right out of his episode onto this i probably said it at the time i think uh we all know i don't try to come across as a as a well-researched man but the point is is that i love all these channels and all these people um some of which were already friends and some of which I just wanted to be friends with. And and now I'm just creepily slowly beginning to, to get to try to do that with. So we're part of the network, which means that, well, not a lot for you guys. I mean, there's, there's going to be a little chime at the beginning of the episode. You probably heard that, right? I'm going to, I'm going to edit that in, in a second from now. That was nice. And, you know, we're just going to try and support each other. This is all in the, in the attempt to just support adventure game, connoisseurs, aficionados, their creations, their channels, their videos, everything. It's all the stuff that you love. Like, it's not going to be like, you know, please buy me undies or anything like that. It's more, um, well, let's get started with an example. So Space Quest Historian has a time-sensitive funding situation going on right now. Uh, I don't want to say like GoFundMe or Kickstarter because it's not quite either of those. Um, my Twitter closed itself, so I'm frantically reopening it. But his collaboration, um, Era 47, that he does with John Paul Stapleford is a, is a band, and they have put together a massive vinyl kit, let's say, um, for the seventh guest. It's really, really exciting. It's it's 27 tracks. It's four vinyl discs. Um, it is on Kickstarter, my bad. <laughs> and it's going on right now, and there's not a whole lot of time left. So, you know, if you love 
the seventh guest um, or just Space Quest historian and want to support this kind of situation, that would be amazing. And that's the whole point of this network is just to help each other um, help adventure gaming and stuff like that. Okay. All right. Seventh guest is maybe a dodgy first one, but we know you, you, you bloody know Space Quest historian. His previous vinyls have all been adventure games. We're, we're letting this one through. Um <laughs> The Kickstarter link will be in our episode description, and so will links to the wonderful YouTube channels of the other people in this network. So please check them out. Please support them. Please subscribe to them. If nothing else, please subscribe to their channel so they can notice a hike in their subscribers and we can be like, you're welcome. You know, like the cocky newcomer kind of stuff. I hate that I said that, but I, I, I need to move on with my day instead of editing this later. So let's let's just let's just let that go. Um, so that's it. That's the news. Um, again, Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. The, the usual nonsense, bloody, we're a Facebook group and a page. We're on Twitter, at Phantom Fellows, at CGD Podcast. Send us a thing. Do that on Instagram if you want. Bloody, become a Patreon or don't. Thank you so much to our current Patreons. We love you guys so much. Um, you know, send us an email at, at mail at classicgamersguild.com. I'm shooting from the hit, people. I forgot to pull up the thing that says all the things, so... Just, you know, at CGG Podcast on Twitter, at Phantom Fellows, wishlist my game, and don't do murder. 